It's not in the book or in the writer that readers discern the truth of what they read. They see it in themselves. If the light of truth has penetrated their minds. St. Augustine of Hippo. The Dragon Pod from Bending Not Breaking. Book five, Ocean, chapter three, Nightmares and Revelations. Welcome back to another episode of The Dragon Pod. I am so thrilled to have everyone here listening to this really neat episode of The Dragon Prince. There's so much going on, and I'm just glad that you all are going to be with me here. But guess what? I'm not alone. We are not alone. We have a friend and returning guest joining us, and I'm thrilled to reintroduce to you all Jason Simpson. Jason uses he, his pronouns, a returning guest on the podcast, dog lover extraordinaire, has a loving family, enjoys the Biscoff spread enough to be reluctant to share it. And you all likely know him from the Dragon Prince as Viren, Barius, and Terbium. And we gladly welcome him to the podcast once again. Jason, how are you doing today? <laughs> uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you. That's a lovely intro. I appreciate that. Uh, I do love dogs so, so much. I do love Biscoff too. Uh, it sounds like a perfect day. Dogs and Biscoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only thing missing, maybe a beer, right? Um, yeah, yeah, throw beer in there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. Well, it's been a while since we've had a conversation and a whole new yeah. season has dropped. And I'm curious, just what's what's new with you? I'm, I'm hearing that you've been busy, but what are some of the things that have been bringing you joy these past several months? Uh, good question. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been working a fair bit. Um, I, I work at a college, uh, in Vancouver in the uh, film arts department. So it's been very busy there. And that actually, that actually has brought me a great deal of joy. Uh, the people I work with, but my students who I've been with since January, um, just working with them on their, uh, their films. So actors, writers, directors, um, and, uh, getting their, uh, voiceover demos uh, record. So uh, just uh, school stuff, but um, the people themselves, it's such a great class and I, I really, really grew to love them and they brought me a lot of joy. Um, my kids, summer's here. Well, oh, summer's almost over. Yeah. I'm just spending, that, spending the summer with my kids when I can uh, because they're just growing and growing. So, you know, I have a 15 and almost 19 year old and just watching them become different people is incredible and incredibly frustrating at the same time, but uh, more joy than, than not. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. I, when I recall, I think at least one of them is doing some voice acting too. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. They both do, they both do a bit of work. My son is uh, more, more of the actor. He's gone a couple different shows. Uh, my daughter's got something coming up, but uh, I won't talk about that right now. That'll be later. Yeah, for sure. No worries. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's just a, a, I just imagine that you are cultivating and creating something that I hope to have if I ever have a family one day, which is just a, an artistic, creative family, a family that is willing to 
lean into creativity and that creativity isn't always via, you know, theater, but it definitely is an integral piece, I think, to the family dynamic from my perspective. So I'm just, I love hearing about that. That's such a cool experience. That, that actually, what you just said there ties into something we'll be talking about later. I won't bring that up now, but I know we're going to discuss it, but it's, uh, I know there's a big fancy word for it, but that you, it's exactly what I'll be talking about. You're going to ask me a specific question later. I know it. And that is the major part of my answer. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Well, spoiler alert, y'all. Yeah, sorry. I I didn't even need to say that because there's no, there's no context or information given, but be ready, everyone. Yeah. The mystery. This is not the mystery of Erebos. This is the mystery of Jason. Here we go. Yes, please. Um, Hitting you as the enemy because Erebos is also the enemy. But, you know, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're going to re- return to <laughs> being the enemy quite yet. And you being the the primal source um, for us as listeners and engagers on this podcast. And thinking about the making of this particular episode. And if there is any sort of... Um, behind the scenes situation that you remember from the making of this that comes to mind. I remember the last time we asked you this, it was all of them were recorded during COVID and you were kind of giving us insight into what it was like to record separate from one another versus being together. And so I'm just curious, what was different about recording for this episode? Or a moment that kind of- uh, technically speaking, there wasn't a whole lot different. Um, because we still have the same situation. Um, but given the context or the content rather, uh, this was a, uh, you know, I'm an emotional person. Uh, I get, uh, and that's a very broad uh, brush stroke, but I, I tear up at the smallest of things because I make connections with my own. I see a father and a son in a dumb TikTok video and I just get teary. <laughs> Um, so I get, I get emotional really quickly and I think that serves me very well in my work, um, especially in this show. So in this, in this, uh, in this season, I had a lot of solitude and voice work can be a lot of solitude at times, but I had a lot of, um, studio time where it was just me not working with other characters. Um, given what's, I'm trying to avoid spoilers, but do we, are we talking, are we saying spoilers or? For the season, you are all square to say whatever you'd like. Yeah. Okay. So there's lots of moments. There's a lot of moments where Viren is reflecting and being thrust into moments where he sees his children, his children, yeah. as like, you know, and even thinking about it now, I'm getting a little, because <laughs> I, I look back at how my kids grew and, uh, uh, you know, my, my children are adopted and they were, th- they were adopted. They were three and six. And I look back at uh, all the mistakes I made and I, I want to rail against myself for being a, a terrible parent or, or just making bad mistakes. And, and so connecting with what, how Viren was feeling, um, I had a really, a real sense of solitude mm-hmm. in a negative, I felt lonely yeah. in the booth, in, the, in those moments, which was great. I loved connecting with that, but it was real for me. Yeah, like, there's no one here to, to look to lock eyes with and go, oh, yeah, we're just pretending. 
it was there was sad there was sadness and there was anxiety and there was angst and and then i'd hear aaron say yeah great take and i'd be like oh yeah right yeah totally Act, acting so that really stood out for me which and i i cherish that i you just don't i don't get that in my work so that opportunity was wonderful oh man i just part of me is envious and I, I don't take that the wrong way. I don't want to be lonely, but just the ability to tap into your body and your emotion and your, yeah. what, what you are feeling and to be able to um, access that is such a gift. And um, it's a little counterintuitive because no one wants to feel lonely and feel that solitude. But at the same time, it, makes it a little less scary, I guess. Um, if you're able to tap into it like that, perhaps. Yeah. I think actors, I can't speak for all actors, but I think we do long for that. Yeah. I do. I do long for the, the moments where, whether I'm with someone or not, uh, I can feel terrified or mm -hmm. abandoned, lonely because there is safety outside of that. So to be able to jump into that fully, there's nothing like it. It's a, it's an odd feeling yeah. <laughs> knowing that that what I'm feeling in a booth with people watching me, it's the same feeling I feel when I'm in my bathroom at two in the morning, bawling my eyes out because I've made a terrible error as a parent. Mm -hmm. And I now have to, you know, apologize to my kids and figure out how to fix it. You don't, you don't get to applaud and bow and walk away from that. That's yeah. real life. So yeah. to be able to feel that 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 same feeling and then step aside from it, oh, that's that, that's glorious. Yeah, I just I wish we did more applauding for for people feeling <laughs> the two o'clock in the morning in the bathroom. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do. I yeah, the culture we had that we were we were able to do that. Oh yeah. man, wow! I'm just I'm really grateful that you're able to tap into that and um, share that with us. And I mean, that's just a really cool experience. It's my pleasure. But listen, uh, listening to you and your, your podcast, your episodes, um, you are such a uh, proponent and such a, a uh, well, if I say fighter for mental health and for expressing feelings and emotions and normalizing that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what people hear when they listen to your work. So I applaud you for constantly being an advocate for that. Well, thank you. I'm yeah. <laughs> that's coming across because that's definitely been a goal. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. So, oh, wow. I feel like we could just sit here for a little while, but <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will push us forward into our, our next segment, which is uh, learning about what we're going to be talking about today. Yes, we're talking about episode three, but we are also talking about it through a lens of revelation. And it's a little on the nose because it's coming from the title Nightmares and Revelations. But that's a big word. And I felt yeah. it was worth unpacking to um, I was talking to some of the patrons on Patreon uh, about like, hey, I got the the carte blanche, choose whatever lens you want from one of our guests. And they were like, why not choose this? Um, and I agreed. Oh, cool. It's a really big word. And I can't wait to kind of um, learn more about it. So I'm curious, like, what does it mean? What does revelation mean to you? Uh, and we'll go from there. 
Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, right? I, it's a big word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think what I, I guess my answer before I say anything will be very basic and I'll fumble for words, but I, I think the generalized general idea for me is, uh, f- finding out something, revealing something that, a truth that uh, I didn't know, and but it comes as a surprise or a shock, mm-hmm. uh, or, or it's so epic, it's so um, big. Um, I mean, I look at, I look at, uh, you know, we look at the the final, the book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, um, and if you read through that, I mean, that's what it is. Just the scrolls. They, we're not going to get into that, of course, but uh, it's just all this insight and uh what is to come and you can see you can say prophecy uh pouring out and uh this will happen this is going to happen um i guess it could also mean this is happening yeah uh you know taking going away from from that specific uh example but it was revealed to me that this is happening this is a revelation or this has happened already and i didn't know it Maybe that's counter to what the word revelation means. I don't know. It's fascinating, right? There's so much there to, to unpack. And I love, frankly, yeah. I think it's important that you bring up the biblical reference because it's so uh, integral to the word. Like if you look up the word definition, like there, the first um, definition often is uh, referring to God. And so it may not be Christianity sure. referring to God. And so yeah. the, the Webster one, for instance, the first definition is an act of revealing or communicating divine truth. Yeah. Uh, and then the non-religious uh, definition is an act of revealing uh, to view or making known and uncovering, um, otherwise bringing to light that which had been previously or wholly hidden um, or only obscurely seen. And it's really interesting to think about because there's a lot that there's, there are layers to revelation. I think one, like this story is intentionally being revealed in a very specific way by the writers and by the, the, the story. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the, the watcher of this show is getting a specific kind of revelation and that's intentional. And then there's this, if we allow for the mystery, this divine revelation that may come in that leads to something that we can't name, where did this come from? Where did this information, how did I just come to my head? Um, And I think that we'll be able to kind of parse that out in here in the episode. There's a lot of interesting directions information comes from and to learn more about your insights into those too. So lots of cool things happening. Yeah. Lots. Um, it's like, it's like terrifying how many we won't be able to touch on them all, but but... that's, that's okay. We're not meant to capture everything. Um, but I'm curious, like, have you, uh, in any particular sense, uh, have you experienced what you would dub revelation in your life? Is that something that you've experienced or would you not use that word perhaps? Yes. Yeah. And this is what I was referring to before. Um, having a revelation, uh, an understanding uh, or just sort of this revealing to me, uh, you know, when I first became a father and I mentioned before, and I probably over mentioned it too many times about my kids. 
um, you know, them coming home at the ages of three and six, um, th- there was a big learning curve. How do we deal with human beings that aren't just little lumps of yeah, flesh human- that, <laughs> that don't know what to do except pee and eat and cry and sleep? Um, and I did have that uh, visceral is the wrong word, but um, a very, a, a real clarity that I was bound to two things. I was bound to um, my children to raise them as best I could. And I found this, I just felt this in this moment upon meeting them. Um, I felt very protective in that instant. And I, I was bound to them to, to love them and serve them, I guess, to keep them safe and to teach them. But I was also bound as a human being and the son of my father to make the the very mistakes that he made with me. And it was going to be a great struggle to not do that. And because I grew, I grew up going, I'm never going to be like him. (laughs) Don't we all? There's, there, yeah, exactly. There were certain things I loved about him, but there were some things I just, I'm never going to do that as a parent. And I had this, uh, this moment of, oh, shit, uh, shoot, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Just, that's what I felt in the moment. Just like, I am going to make those mistakes. And will I, will I wreck my kids? It's just in this moment, this very brief moment, you have this tidal wave of reality going, you're not going to be not like your father. Yeah, You're going to be like him and you're going to have to work hard to not be. Mm. So don't think you get to waltz into this just ready to make all the right choices. So my my brain just told me all this in that moment as I'm seeing my children for the first time and I was, uh, it was crazy. So revelation, I I think so. It was revealed to me that I was not going to, be the dad I want it to be, but I could get there. Just, it's going to take work. Oh, and that's, I, we're going to put a pin in this because we're going to come back to that comment because I think that sure. is so close to how I experienced one of Viren's lines later in the episode. Um, mm. But before we dive into the episode, we have to remind our listeners what happened in the episode. Um, yeah. We, we are our guests favorite favorite thing to do on the podcast which which is the 30 second recap um and so i'm gonna give you a choice would you like to go, I'll go first first okay perfect <laughs> amazing okay. um are you ready yes ready as you can be awesome. yeah all right uh i'm gonna count you down from three and then you'll have 30 seconds three Two, one, go. Ezrin, Corvus, and Sorin and the uh, dragons go to um, try and get uh, the help of the dragons. Rayla and Callum uh, visit uh, Janai and Amaya to say, hey, we're here. And what? There's a surprise. You're getting married? Hey, surprise. Uh, Beren and his t- t- kids are floating down the river. And uh, he's having his dreams. And uh, he, there's water. And he goes underneath. And he starts having. And they have to pull him out. And... Uh, I'm forgetting something. Um, two sm- Oh boy! Amazing <laughs> smokes. Yeah, thirty seconds goes by so fast. Yeah, amazing. All right, I have. Day, I'm going to nail that. Uh, I mean, listen, it's great. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. 
as it is. Uh, Let's hear yours. You count me down. I will time it. Mm. Count me down from three. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so dragons, uh, dragons assemble at Pride Rock, and Ezrinus asks for their help, and then Janai has a nightmare, and Viren will do anything for family, and he says that a lot, and then uh, that scares Soren, and he loses him and his family, and then Raylam arrive at camp, and then learn about marriage, and Janai denies interest to Luxoria, and then Kareem sweats a little bit in the desert, and Viren falls off the boat, and Amaya joins Raylam to Luxoria, and Janai blesses their journey uh, to Luxoria, and then Claudia fights to keep Viren alive, because she is, like, super driven right now, and it's a lot, so that's 30 seconds <laughs> oh yeah well done kareem i knew i was missing kareem's storyline he, he like they bury the lead with with kareem he's like only in there for like a solid 30 seconds so that's no yeah. worry <laughs> um amazing okay so good job lots of cool things happening and i'm now reminded of all of those but uh i want to go into the the depth of our conversation the the where the the meat so to speak which is to say, what is a moment of revelation in this episode that you would like to take us to first? Um, well, listen, I think, I mean, I think it's the obvious answer for me. Uh, not that there's right or wrong, but I think just the fact that uh, in this fevered dream nightmare that Viren is having, he is having moments of revelation. He is having these moments of clarity. Uh, and I think um, for me personally, as, as the actor, you know, I'm saying, I, I read, I read those scripts. And I go, yes, finally, we're, we're seeing this. We're seeing moments that are, we've had a plateau and now we're working somewhere because you want the character to move. You want the story to move. And it's important. It's also very big. Um, and there's, it's just a beginning of what's to come. So I think though, I think that's the moment I would point people towards selfish of me, but yeah, it's a good storyline. I think it's so like there, it's so juicy, right? There's so much going on in, in every scene, not just to pick one of them and probably spend a dissertation on any of the one scenes, but like when you look at them together, I, I have I think what comes to me is is there's a series of questions around this, which is what is the difference between a dream, a nightmare, yeah, a like I, I'm I'm curious uh, what differentiates one from the other. Well, I mean, Janai has a dream. Yeah. which is is something historical. She doesn't get any information from it that she didn't already know in that moment. Right? The thing that's interesting there, though, is it, I saw someone who put a direct uh, comparison between the original scene and then the dream, and they're almost oh. exactly identical, except for the fact that Janai, as she experiences it, gets the vision of her vision going um, that's right yeah and the f- for me like that that feels to me like a nightmare but, yeah yeah but like what if anything could that be revealing like is that a revelation is there something to be learned from this that uh 
because there's there are theories out there that you're going to have this dream and it's going to repeat until you have learned the lesson until your body has learned why you're having this dream and that's not necessarily correct but it is a theory that is out there um so i don't know like it's a weird question like is she learning something and i i i don't know but you also mentioned when you were describing revelation uh, and what it is, was that there, there's a, a thought like that it is like prophecy. Yeah. And there's a thought where like, Oh no, is this a foreshadowing moment for Janai or is this, you know, like, and we don't know. Right. And there's just so much that it could be that without more information, this is what leads to people being like, trust your faith when I'm like, or <laughs> maybe it's giving you something else and being open to the interpretation. That's a really good thought. That's a good observation. Yeah. Um, right. Counter, <laughs> counter that with Viren, what Viren's going through. And that also is historical. It's not some fantastical dream, which I mean, it is, of course, we see in episode two, some crazy madmen, Twin Peaks stylized, yeah. cool stuff. But, but the meat of it is the people from his past and, and moments. But then there's also things that are revealed, and that is it. That is a revelation. Him talking to him himself as a younger man and hearing his own words that give that that gives him comfort. Yeah, or that it, maybe it doesn't, maybe not comfort so much as it allows him to trust for a moment in this craziness. Yeah. I hear myself speaking to me as a young, younger man. I will put my trust in that briefly. Yeah. And that's of course the end of that episode. And it's just that moment for me was a moment where I had to like pause and sit for a minute after watching it for the first time, because one, the, the way you differentiated your young and old voice was just like, I was like, how, how did this happen? Um, <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh. So I was kind of like taken aback by that, but also oh, great. like there's, there's a lot of therapeutic modalities where you invite a client to talk to their younger self in role play. And yeah. there's so much healing that can happen in those moments and it was just a very interesting way to like, okay, I need to rewatch that scene because what is said is so interesting. And so I, I'm, I guess the question for me is, is current Viren the one receiving that revelation or is it child or slash younger Viren that is being healed through revelation via the information does that make sense like is the inner younger viren receiving healing in this moment or Ugh. or is it the older viren that is receiving that does that make sense as a question at, as a person and we've talked about this in the past as a person who's you know i'm a 48 year old man who i've taken my children to counseling and I've discovered that I too need that counseling. And part of that involves referring to the younger me and the, 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 um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
the pain and suffering that I went through as a, as a younger person, as a child got buried mm-hmm. and I have to, I have to recognize how that affected younger me to which, which then made this guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to add, that's such a wonderful question. And I think you worded it perfectly. I think present day Viren, of course, is having those, oh, yeah, moments. Yeah. But that also helps younger Viren, who had the trauma, trauma is the word I was looking for, helps deal with that trauma, yeah. which is also inside older Viren. Yes. Yes. We let the younger person, we let the younger person find the freedom and find the healing from that. And that gives present day older me, sorry, I'm going back and forth between Viren and myself, but (laughs) I could step out of the room after an hour of that and just breathe easy and go, I feel lighter. And that that crap is not hidden in the corner anymore. Yeah. And and it's so interesting to think about too, from, from Viren's perspective, because I think what this, this series of, uh, whether you call it delusion, dream, nightmare, revelation, whatever you call these moments, Viren is emerging on the other side of them with more information and different yeah. perspective. And um, I, I think what's really interesting is that is coming across to the audience as uh, these reminders of his past are affecting his present sure right and it's not necessarily the memories but how the memories are um changed so to speak into something new in these visions that new and useful yeah that leads to something else and and speaking specifically to this to claudia right and there's this really beautiful parallel between Viren and Claudia that's happening, especially in this episode where, you know, Viren's diving down in his memory to save Claudia, just as Claudia is diving down in real life to save the bottom of the water. And it's a very interesting parallel because in a way it's like, he's trying to save her from doing the very thing she's doing at this, at this moment. Right. Yeah. Um, it's in a way it's, it's pretty tragic. Right. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say whether that is a revelation for the viewer or whether that's a revelation for Viren, right? Because Viren is experiencing it very differently. Well, I, I think it's, I think it's both. Yeah. Um, and, and, and whoever it's meant for, um, you know, we always serve the story first. Exactly. And we also serve the audience in the sense that they can then take what they want from it and do what they will with it. Um, I think I found it interesting from day one that you just pinpointed that is that they're doing the same thing. It's like two sides of a mirror. Yeah. He's doing one thing and she's doing the other in a different time, not even different time, just different moment, but at the same time. And then in that moment, we see Viren looking into a mirror and there's two of him doing the exact same thing, but they're two different. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Um, but is it for, is it for the, uh, is it for the audience? I a hundred percent think it is because, you know, we've talked, there's just been nothing but talk for the last four years, five years <laughs> about redemption 
and will will Deer and find redemption. Yeah. I've always been a firm believer that he will, and I'm not saying that he will, but this is a really good start. And with redemption, there needs to be forgiveness. Mm. Uh, but in the moment, the, the the path is he's not there yet, but he's on his way. So it's a it's a struggle. It's he's fighting through it. Well, and you know, redemption is such a complicated word for me because I. It, to be redeemed, one needs to make repairs. And yeah. like Viren has done some unspeakably bad things. But yeah. the like the the sentimentality of feeling uh we are feeling his remorse. We are feeling his love and and like deep commitment to his family. And those two things can exist at the same time and we can now better understand perhaps we don't have all the information, but we can better understand where he's coming from. But is that the same thing as redemption or is that just forgiveness? Is that something where we now just have a better sense of empathy for why he might've made the decisions, but like also redemption without accountability and repair is a, a dicey thing. So I'm excited to see how, how the dragon handles it, you know? Yes. I, I think I misspoke. I, I don't, I, I don't know if actually there needs to be forgiveness for redemption. Maybe that is a key part of it, but you, you nailed, you nailed that. There does need to be uh repair that he does need to fix what has, what he has broken, take responsibility for it, whether or not the person he acted against forgives him does that mean he's not redeemed or can he walk away after fixing it unforgiven but is he redeemed at that point yeah. it's uh, why maybe in, maybe his own heart i don't know <laughs> well and it's also thinking about it from whose perspective is he yeah like right and so will soren offer him and feel that he has been redeemed versus will claudia versus will catullus right and yeah. so there's a lot of perspectives that uh, need to be addressed. And I think that right now what we're seeing is warming the audience up and warming the reader up, so to speak, on his relationship with Soren. And I think, you know, we both have been mentioning like the audience, and I say that in quotes, as like a a a reason why this has been created. But these things, these visions happen outside of an audience perspective um in real life like we are not designed for an audience <laughs> and That's yet right. these yeah. things aren't uncommon to to people right there's a reason this happens and why it speaks to us in a certain way it's because it's it's pretty close to, to real sometimes what's going on it may not be pre precision like pinpointing exactly right but this is a very plausible like vision to have had while, while under considering Viren's past. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so I just, you know, I think it wouldn't work so well if it wasn't plausible. <laughs> That's right. It'd be more cartoony and then people could, uh, people could dismiss it so easily. Yeah. And to be fair, I think some people watched this and did because it was probably, uh, two 
close to real to want to experience or so far from what they have experienced that it seemed far-fetched and sure. both also <laughs> very possible um yeah. yeah okay uh so there's one other element to this that i want to speak to and i'm going to return to this idea of prophecy that you lifted up in terms of the definition which is we're going to be jumping to episode nine a little bit but this vision of Claudia in the ocean, right? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that there, an element of revelation sometimes has prophecy. And what we see is a vision that we see directly in the future. And right. I'm curious what your take is on that. And um, where did that come from? <laughs> So we're talking about, are we jumping ahead to we can, episode yeah. nine is what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's this vision yeah. as a her standing in the water and then being hit by a tidal wave is almost like shot for shot what happens in episode nine, um, with, which is what brings Viren out of his, what I'm calling a catatonic state. Um, yes. But what we see happen, of course, is she's able to control... She doesn't need to be saved. Yeah. In that in that moment, uh, from being, you know, in the water, of course, but her her mental state. Um, like it, yeah, it, her she needs saving from that. And it takes us right back to earlier seasons of Viren being in the same situation. We go, this is just it's yeah. going from father to daughter, and it's terrifying. Well, which brings like one of probably the driving points for me that I've been thinking about with this is that revelation is up to interpretation, like period. And one could interpret uh, this tidal wave that takes Claudia down as metaphor, right? It, rather than the literal, no, she's capable in the water and she'll be fine. But yeah. like this metaphor of like, okay, she's going underwater and she loses her leg, right? And so this tidal wave could also represent all of the things that you mentioned in terms of like her mental state and all of the other things, right? Rather than just the physical limitations. And I think oftentimes uh, it is our nature, it is especially in the United States, our nature to be skeptical of anything we do not understand. Sure. And to even fear that which we cannot understand. And part of me wonders if we experience revelation more often, but we aren't willing to label it that because it feels like we have less control than we actually do. Is that, <laughs> that seems probably a little out of left field. I'm curious. <laughs> so I'm curious. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about the dream. I'm thinking about Viren's dreams. And if I'm being completely honest, uh, I've seen everything that he has gone through. And I, I love, that's why I love watching it because reading on the script, has a, pulling it from the script uh, and performing it and just envisioning what it's going to look like. It's so different, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but seeing the visual of the giant red wave and, I see that solely as Viren projecting himself, his own bad choices, 
everything he's done wrong, his just overpowering need for whatever he his power and whatever it is. Uh, I see all that as himself. Mm. So when she's wading into the water, he is wading out to rescue her from him. That wave is him. It represents his suffocating, drowning yeah. uh, personality drive to succeed and no matter who gets hurt. Yeah. And he sees it clearly in that moment that only he can save her from himself. Yeah. I may be I may be off the mark on that, but I don't know if there actually is a mark. I think what you're what you said earlier is that exactly right. It's up to interpretation, and I personally like that because I tend to see that, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but I tend to see that in a lot of moments in my life. Absolutely. I've got to I've got to save my kids or my wife or friends from some asinine thing I did, and it's represented in this thing that happened. So on the screen in an animation form, they can go, you can have something like a giant blood red tidal wave coming to crush his daughter. And that's the culmination of everything he's done. And he's just pushed her into it. Now he's going to save her. I think what I'm reminded of as you speak is the practice of um, asking questions of uh, like a tarot deck or the Tao Te Ching or like uh, asking questions of certain modalities that like any skeptical person would be like, that's all fake. Right. But it's up to interpretation. Right. And so go into it with an open mind and you see a certain symbol that has a certain connotation and you apply that to your experience. The revelation might come not from the fact that that card happened, but from the fact that you now have new insight because of the thought process that it brought you. And that in and of itself is a revelation. The question then is, is that a divine revelation? Is that coming from something that is greater than ourselves? Or is that something coming from within us? And I think that's one of the great debates that people have. But to me, that is... And I'm not willing, I don't know that I'm willing to call it God, but I am willing to call call it divine. Like I'm I'm willing to call it something that is greater than myself. And that's just an interesting thing to think about. (laughs) I I don't disagree with you, but I do question, if we look at it practically, what else is there in Viren's mind when he's having these dreams uh, other than himself putting putting uh, moments, choices, uh, animating them in a certain form, like his, his, his children absolutely coming and, and seeing these moments, spotlighting these moments and, and with Kapar and, uh, and then moments that we, that haven't happened where he's going out after his daughter. There's no, there's no intervention there by outside forces. I guess we, again, you could call it a divine, something divine has, but we've never touched on that in the Dragon Prince. No, uh, and I don't know that I would call it like that. That no, I'm not claiming that the Dragon Prince has like oh, there's a god acting now, deities or anything. Yeah, um, right. In the larger sense of something, I guess is the like. And it's one of the things I love about fantasy is that there's already magic. Like th- this idea that something that is wild to someone without magic is like oh like they do magic right this is 
like well within the bounds of what is possible is this yeah. magical force one could argue maybe this the this vision is a byproduct of doing dark magic for so long and the toll, yeah that's what i was getting at yeah the toll of doing dark magic for years and years is years is that the body keeps the score and it's paying it back right now to viren and yeah. saying you know what i oh, mean that's a good way of putting that right and i i think that I talked about this with uh, on on episode two last week with with Sasha, who was our guest, and yeah. we were talking about these these visions. And a lot of what we talked about was the body keeping the score, and Niren's body has gotten to the point where he has not listened for so long, and it is reminding him of saying, "Hey, this is what you care about, and you've just spent." you just literally died <laughs> and yeah. I, I want to like that like that trauma lives in the body and it is now taking its toll by giving him all of this information in a specific way i think that the body is communicating with viren because this is in some way shape or form providing viren with information that he needs to survive that's my thought uh, that's a great theory uh I have, I find no, I find no fault in that. I, I do like that a lot. And, and piggybacking on what we said earlier, or what you said earlier, there is magic and there's dark magic. So who knows? Again, you know, I was saying there's no deity, but magic can be, is so powerful in this, in this world, in this place that uh, who knows how it, it just intrinsically gets into every fiber of the person, including their spiritual. I mean, it is, it is, there is spirituality to it. Uh, and you know, so maybe, yeah, that's it. I've never thought of it that way. So I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> on a big tangent. I can't believe we're, uh, well, man, there's a lot going on here. That's a revelation to me, actually. Yeah. yeah. Look at, oh, but no, oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Um, <laughs> What else do you want to talk about in regards to to Viren here, or are there other places we want to to go for a moment? No, I think this is a. I think this is a. It's a big deal. Um, okay, I, I think it's a big deal what what we're seeing and yeah. the shift that we're seeing in Viren. And I was surprised. Maybe I was just looking too hard for it. I was surprised that I didn't see more online where we get all of our information <laughs> of people saying, Oh, this is interesting. He's not coming around, but he's really going through some changes and his character changes are going through some sort of interesting arc. One might call that a character arc, oh, you yeah. know, because <laughs> that's what people have been asking for. Will he go through a character arc? Will he always stay a villain? Uh, you know, my, and my argument has always been, well, he's not a villain, right? He's yeah. this and he's this and he does, he does villainous things and he maybe I, I don't mind labeling him as the bad guy because it's fun to play bad guys, but there's so much more to him. And now we're seeing him yeah. reap, yes. reap the rewards of his, for lack of a better term, his, his bad doings, his evil doings, Really, but he's trying to grow through that stuff as well. He's trying to actually be better. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I noticed that at the beginning of season four, for like yeah. as soon as he wakes up, this immediate hesitancy to grapple with dark magic, this yeah. uh, 
the the panic attacks, the the things that Viren experience, this has all been leading to this moment, to 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 these visions that he's having right now in his subconscious, right? It feels to me like this is a very much a climactic point for him in terms of his change. Um, mm-hmm. This whole season, I guess, since he goes out and under and out uh, a few times. Um, but yeah, I absolutely... I just don't, I don't, I very rarely talk online. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've tried, I've been staying off. I just, I read people like fans ideas, but it, that's where it started. Season four. That's where that starts. That's where we plant yeah. that seed. But you know, then I see so much at that point, I saw a whole lot of, um, um, excuse me, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, people saying too late. Yeah. Done, he's Late, done yeah. too much. He can't be saved. And uh, uh, yeah, guys, there's such a great story to be told. Yeah. Just watch it unfold. Anyway, yeah. Well, and that's one of the things I guess I did see online is I saw several people on Twitter go, I told you so. Like as soon as yeah. we um relation like his relationship with Soren, like people like we're like I knew it I told you that he was a loving kind father and like you know what I mean so there was a lot of that um and even so like it's like it's still complex because yeah you're willing to do anything for your family however vile uh yeah it it takes its toll yeah in Soren's case I mean a loving father sure kind father no yeah Maybe no, when he there was, was no when he was younger, there was no kindness there. But uh, yeah, it's it's deep and it's uh, complicated. It's complicated. Short <laughs> version of the podcast. If you want the TLDR, it's it's complicated. It's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna take us to uh, to Ezrin really quick. Uh, I found it really interesting right at the beginning of the episode with Ezrin in this speech um, to the dragons on, on what I'm dubbing pride rock. Um, Yeah. The, the, uh, he is revealing information to these dragons. And so in a way, this is a revelation for all of these dragons, right. In in the literal sense. Um, And uh, you know, Zubeya calls all of these dragons forward and Ezrin speaks with the authority of Zubeya because she is standing right behind him, clearly, right there. clearly supporting him. And um, I, I'm, I'm curious, I am willing to label this as a revelation, but I'm the question I have is what makes this a revelation to these dragons versus uh, merely a request? Like, it is the difference only that there is new information or is there something else to it? And I'm, I'm no, not... I think it, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Zubeya is there mm. and uh, what she's gone through with her mate and well, what all the dragons have gone through, through history, dealing with elves and humans. And the fact that she is there with three humans uh, allowing this young child human to speak to all of them and she doesn't she she doesn't say a word i mean she does at the beginning to get their attention but otherwise ezrin does all the work and i think that 
and they trust her. So I think that's, that speaks volumes. Yeah. So and I think that's, that, that helps me pinpoint, I think my question, which, which was like, it wouldn't have felt like a revelation had Ezrin gone to each of these dragons individually and asked them for help. But the act of the, the revelation seems to not be in the request that Ezrin is making, but in realizing and having the connection made that Zubea is supporting this full sense. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, it, which wasn't said, it wasn't verbalized, but the, the revelation comes from the symbol rather yeah. than literal. Um, he could have climbed up there by himself and said, dragons, hear me. No one would have listened to him. Maybe yeah, one or two, but right. what power or authority does he have over them? None. They, they would have no idea who he is maybe. So, the fact that she's towering over him and them, yeah, so it does. Yeah, it speaks volumes. Yeah, that was an interesting point that I that that's helpful that you have given us that that light. So I want to move to one more moment for me um, in this episode around Janai and Janai specifically because there's this moment in the episode where she for bids progress from from Rayla and Callum going into Luxoria. And that moment is really intense because this is kind of leaning on the reflection that was written uh, pre-season with uh, uh, Kareem, who was our kind of main character in the in the um, episode or in the reflection. But we see the devastation in that reflection of what happens to people who go into Luxoria. And yeah. um, we who have read that reflection and then watched this episode have context for why Janai is denying them progress and denying them access to Luxoria. It's from a place of, I want to keep you safe and I know how tragic it is and how easily people are lost. And in the wake of Callum being like, I have the pressure of the world might actually be ending. <laughs> Surprise! And it's really interesting because whether that's hyperbole or not, right, with with Callum revealing that, that is a huge revelation that requires a lot of unpacking. Like, you, what do you mean the world is ending? And Callum explains the Starchuff shelf is about to take over the world and blah, blah, blah. And Janai is still like, nope, life is still, uh, my revelation is more important than yours, in other words. And I'm, I'm curious for you, um, what your take is on that. Like when the thing that has been revealed to me is more important than the thing that has been revealed to you. And I'm curious if you've experienced that. I'm curious how you receive this version of it on screen. There's a lot going on here and I'm just, there's a lot. Oh, well, I mean, in my own life, I would only assume that we've all been in that moment of, this is important to me. Yeah, but this is important to me. And this is more important. And being on the, uh, uh, the losing end of that battle or that argument. Yeah, but this is, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a parent teenager back and forth all the time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, you know, go through it all the time. And as a parent, I can recognize in my children that angsty, that, that feeling of you never listen to me. And I go, huh, I, I kind of feel the same way yeah. as a parent. You never <laughs> listen to me, but I'm smarter. 
than you. And I have more wisdom and I know what I'm saying. I know how you feel because I've been there. But this is more important. Yeah. Do what I say. In terms of that moment or that scene, I didn't even think twice about it, to be honest. I looked at those kids and I thought, they're not going to listen to her. They're going. Nope. <laughs> this is Rayla. Yeah. Rayla is not beholden to Janai or Amaya. Really anyone. She doesn't, give a, she doesn't give a crap about what they say. She is going and Callum will follow her. That was the only thing I thought of when I saw that. I'm like, okay, she's saying no. And it's all serious. And I say so. And I thought it's going to cut to them packing up, ready to go. <laughs> and so it shall be. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's what happened. I went, yeah, that, that, that tracks. That is teenagers right there. Exactly. So, so what's, what's interesting though, is this was on, on both ends, I think uh, indicative of real life in that, I think this conversation would have gone very differently had they both gone through the full explanation of why. Sure. Yeah. And communication. Denai doesn't explain why she forbids progress. She just says it's bad. Right. And she, flex, like, she flexes. Yeah. And it's, that is a common parent move, which is to say, I'm smarter than you. I have more information than you. Uh, like do what I say. Right. And it's, it seems like, we could get to a better position if we were willing to be like, okay, I hear why this is important to you. Can I explain why I want to keep you out of there? Here are all of the reasons. Um, And that takes more time. It takes more energy. It takes more effort. It takes more patience. It (laughs) it takes a lot more of a lot more things. Um, And I don't know. I don't know if that would have like they i don't know i just don't know all that time taking that's just called better parenting yeah (laughs) and it goes back to that moment i was talking about earlier where i said i will not be like my father i'll do my own things and that's one of the key things you know growing up is that they my parents didn't communicate so with me so it was always do that and that's it as a parent i definitely try and say hey listen here's why this this is what i'm saying and why we're going to do it this way. And then I have my wife say to me, uh, you might as well stop talking. They are zoned out. You've lost them. You've talked too much. You've explained yeah. too much. And now they're back to, maybe I'll just go and do this thing I, I was told not to do. <laughs> so so yeah. there is there's something to be said about being succinct. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, there's a fine line of like, nope here's the line and I'm not, I can't give you more information because of all yeah. the other circumstances and this quote, better parenting model of I'm going to take the time to explain everything that needs to be said so that you really understand why I'm telling you no. <laughs> yeah. You both have their own time and place. Both are legit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's the uh, egregious judgment on so many people's parts when they see people making the opposite choice than they would have made in that moment because, and then calling that bad parenting when in reality they made a decision with the, they made the best decision they could with the information they had at the time. Yeah, that's right. And trusting in that process. And yes, people can do better. People can grow and learn and be better. And trusting that people are doing their best, which is not easy, but I no. think it would lead to a better space. 
Yeah, you hope so. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, that's amazing. Well, what I I would love to invite you to, uh, if you have any other big moments that you want to talk about, um, otherwise we'll transition into our next segment. No, that's good. We've touched on a lot of, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm actually, you've got me thinking about, you know, cause I read the scripts and then I do my prep, whatever that means. And then I go in and I record and sometimes magic happens and, you know, you get somewhere and you connect with the character and you go, wow, I didn't see it that way. And then you wait and wait and wait and wait. And you finally see the animated version and you go, wow, it's amazing with the music and the way they've animated my character's face, the way he's saying that he said, and then you say, Hey, what about this? And I go, Oh, what? I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly how that feels. So yeah, no, there's plenty there. Yeah. And I think that's what's so cool about this too, is if you bring someone else into the conversation, all of a sudden you have a whole new version of that. And it's like, it's just every time it's just so expansive. And that's why this is such a cool process. Agreed. Uh, Yeah. Amazing. All right. Uh, We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back in just a moment. Welcome back. We're so glad you're here. We are excited to dive into our sacred practice for the episode. Um, This whole season, we're taking on a sacred practice every episode to um, continue to learn more and dive more deeply into the Dragon Prince and see what it can teach us. Uh, And these practices kind of help us do that outside of the lens that we chose for the episode. And we are revisiting Lectio Divina again today. We did that with Sasha last week and we're doing it this week again. And just as a reminder, we are going to pick a random sentence from the show, from the episode. And we're going to take a four-step reading practice And we're going to walk uh, on this ladder down into the text uh, as kind of the monks have offered uh, the metaphor from Lectio Divina. Um, It is a uh, practice that has been really cool to experience with our guests before. And Jason has done it with us once before already. And so uh, a pro at this point, naturally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, Jason, I chose a random sentence I picked from all of the various Viren spots. And then once I had those time frames, I picked a random time frame. And this is the sentence I found. Every step I took, I took because I had to. And that is the sentence we're going to take this practice on. And so the first step is the literal meaning. Uh, what is literally happening in the episode when this line is said? And do you happen to recall what was literally happening during this during this line? Um, in the, in sorry, in the show? 
What's happening? Yeah. yeah. This is this is near the. I mean, this is this is at the end, isn't it? It sure is. Exactly. Talking this to is, himself. Yeah. Yeah. So the literal meaning is that Viren is talking to his younger self, and yeah. um, it's right before you see that he's talking to his younger self, I believe. Um, and then it's revealed that that's who he's talking. Oh to. yes. Yeah. He says, "Here we are again," and he says, "But yeah. this time." And then he said, "Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah." Which makes it really interesting because it suggests that in that, that he's been talking to himself the whole time, which is even more interesting because with that mirror, you thought it might be Erevos, you thought it might be something else, and nope, it's himself. <laughs> yeah, but this, it, it's, it was such a powerful moment. May I for a second? Oh, please, absolutely. <laughs> it was such a, it was such a, uh, powerful maybe is the wrong word, but um, it was such a connection for me as it should be, I think, to season two when he's staring into the mirror and he's screaming at it that yeah. it's, you know, it's to paraphrase, it's worthless. It's, 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 there's, it's made nothing of itself, but he's, he's talking to himself. Yeah, so that's such a good reminder. Oh, wow. And then we see him say, here we are once again, face yeah. to face, whatever he says. I can't remember. Um, it's the exact same moment, wow. but now the mirror is talking back yeah. wow. because he has such, he has such a, there's such a stiff back, such a, um, I am in charge. I'm in control in this moment. And he just loses that control instantly when the younger self says, no, here's what's happening. Yeah. Right. Versus oh, him just railing at himself, screaming and throwing things and lighting the room on fire. That going a tantrum really makes me want to go rewatch that scene and envision that he's talking to his younger self instead of yeah just himself in this moment like what? What, yeah. yeah yeah well this is incredible because what this does is you have you have jumped down to the next rung on the ladder which is perfect because we got that literal meaning and then you took us to the next one immediately which is exactly what the the practice does which is the allegorical meaning what other yeah. moments in the show does it remind us of? And that was, you did it. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it also is asking us of other moments in other media. So other stories that it might remind us of as well. Um, and so I'll read it once more. Every step I took, I took because I had to. Um, can you give me an example of what, uh, of, so I, I'm on Lord of the Rings kick. Uh, I did this for last episode too, but it, like, so this is reminding me of Lord of the Rings um, in the sense of, I, I think about like, I, I feel like this is cheating because I'm literally referencing a very similar thing that I did with Sasha. Um, yeah. But thinking about this, this Hobbit who has told that if you don't do this, the world will end and Sauron will take over and like, will burn everything. And thinking about like I I ha every step I took I took because I had to and just envisioning what might be going through Frodo and Sam's mind as they go through all of these hellish experiences that are terrible and thinking about like what what is gonna when you look back on this it's every step I took I took because I had to um and I, I'm reminded of that that is something that I'm reminded of yeah if we're sticking with pop if we're sticking with pop culture I go, you know, I go right to, um, you know, somebody like Thanos, 
Ooh, that's a good point too. Who is doing it for the greater good? Exactly. Well, the greater good would be the entire universe. So yep. He's actually doing it for only half of the greater good. Fair. <laughs> Because he knows, so so that's sort of broken, that whole idea of doing it for the greater good. That kind of collapses into, that argument collapses in on itself. Because he's murdering half of the the population. Uh, but that whole idea of, I did what had to be done. Yeah. And I think he may, he may have that line or something similar to it. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a, it is a common villain line, right? It's a trope, yeah. 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 And, I, and I think that it doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean that this person didn't feel that, but what it does yeah. is it reveals <laughs> uh, something about that person in that they, they believe that what they are doing was done justly and rightly. And um, that's kind of what it reveals to me, I guess. I, I, I also think, and this is a little off, but I also think that Josh Brolin is a, a, a fantastic actor. And he was able to take the writing that he was given and put it into, we still, we still despise Thanos for what he did, but there's something about him, darn it, that is attractive. And you go, yeah, I want to hear this guy out. Uh, you know, and I, you know, I don't, I don't fight for him or I don't cheer him on, but I go, he's not, he is disgusting and despicable, but he's not uh, plain and basic and flat. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of three dimension to that guy where you go, maybe he has a point. Yeah, and you shake your head and go, oh no, what am I saying? No, no, no. I mean, he doesn't, but and, maybe. <laughs> and that's what's been so interesting about the Dragon Prince too is that we got a very one dimensional view of Viren, um, and we're starting to we're starting to see Viren in in three D, so to speak, um, and we're starting to see more of him and see what's underneath all of the things that our our previous assumptions about his character are are being challenged um yeah. and i think that that's that's neat that that's bringing us to that okay okay so we've got step one the literal meaning step two the allegorical meaning we've we've brought in various other things from from pop culture and now we're dropping down on the ladder one more rung to the third step, which is what does this line remind us of in our own lives, our personal experience? So we had this fictional experience and other stories in round two, but on step three, it's in our own lives. So once more, every step I took, I took because I had to. Uh, I mean, people are going to get sick and tired of me saying this, but my, my life is, is driven, uh, by my family. It's revolves around my family, everything I do. And I've said this plenty, everything I do is for my family. So any choices I make for work, anything that takes me from them, it is so that they have a roof over their heads. They Mm -hmm. have food to eat. So everything I do, every literal step that I take that takes me away from them yeah. is not every, but every work, every job that I do is for them mm-hmm. so that they have a comfortable, safe life. Yeah. Yeah. Do I transfer and transferring that over to Viren? I'd like to say that he 
is the same, but no, there's certainly, we, we certainly have our own shallow and selfish motivations. Yeah, of course. As and human beings. But. I think it was this episode where Kapar, Kapar, um, Kapar yeah. he uh, says, he calls him out. He says, everything I did for my family, he's like, you did it for power. Yeah. Uh, you did it for power, like you always have. Um, yeah. I thought it was a really interesting moment because this this inner story versus this story from a mentor and teacher is like, those don't line up. And so I can't wait to see more of where that might come from. But that, that's a great note, by the way. That's because it's such an open, that's a window opening. We don't quite see in yet, but we go, it. oh, because Viren's face is like, uh, oh, you know. Yeah, and it's defensive, and I, yeah, and I, I think this, this to me is a defensive statement, right? It's it is defending what I have done, right? Uh, every step I took, I took because I had to, is a line that is said to justify what I have done, um, yeah. and and for me, what I like, I'm reminded of not necessarily actions that I um, regret doing mistake wise per se, but what feels difficult and challenging and harmful. So again, I'm, this is my fourth year of graduate school and it has not been a breeze. Um, and like, I, I keep on this for me is a reminder in that sense of, I made these decisions for a reason and I'm going through this pain for a <laughs> right like i every step i took i i did because i had to and what that doesn't correctly uh view in the perspective is that i shouldn't have had to right and th like there are certain things i should not have had uh... to that i had to because of the systems that are in place and this this statement doesn't encapsulate what is not said in that regard. And I think that's true for Viren too, right? Like there are so many things that Viren had to experience that were outside of his control that in a different environment, in a more supportive environment, in a different world with more healthcare and more support for, for children, perhaps, like he would not have had to resort to dark magic, right? In a world perhaps that is more unified where the elves and the humans were working together and their healing arts were were collaborative maybe he wouldn't have had to resort to all these vile things and i think taking the person and putting them in context is really important i'm tearing up because I, this is really painful because i like there are things that i shouldn't have had to endure and there are things that yeah. people everywhere shouldn't have to endure but we blame ourselves for doing them, right? And when it's not our fault, it's the system, it's the surrounding context that makes it so that we have to make that decision. Yeah. That makes sense. That is, it is powerful. And it is also, it's, it's sobering to think about that. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, we have successfully... <laughs> albeit with hesitation gotten through one through three and we're going to come to step four and climb all the way into the depths of this this line uh, <laughs> this <laughs> on step four um and so there's a couple options you can choose from for step four uh the traditional one is contemplatio which is what is, what are you contemplating in in other words uh what is 
this calling you to do? Uh, now that we've discussed this, now that we've had a conversation around it, what does this line uh, challenge you to do? Or if you were to uh, deliver a sermon using this line, what would be your message? Or in other words, if you were to uh, give a short moral to a child and that's easy to understand, what would the moral be of this line? And so I'll read it one more time for our listeners. Every step I took, I took because I had to. Uh, yeah, it's a big I think one. there's uh yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think I, I I'd want to break it down. Um, I'd want to break it down if I was, if I was to call, call to action, I kind of like that, but you know, it's talking about raising, raising someone or, or being a leader. Mm-hmm. And trying to train train someone, so raising a child, um, you'd want to break it down. And what is what are each what are all the sections encompass? Like um, every step I took, does this mean your physical actions? Does this mean I, I would sorry I wouldn't put that in the question. I would say this means your physical actions. This yeah. means every word you speak. Not only to other people, but to yourself. Yeah. Because um, that is your true, that is your true person, who you are by yourself. Um, so every step you take, everything that represents you as you move forward, um, you do that because you have to in order to maintain your integrity, maintain your, your true self. Everything else will crumble. Everything else will break or will break you. You'll grow. It'll grow heavy. Mm. as you know your your pretenses and your falsehoods and the things you put on for other people to see you've got to act a certain way because you have to you have to maintain your humanity and your integrity as you move forward mm-hmm. i think that that might t- that might steer it away from you know the way we see it used in the yeah. maybe in a in an everyday i do this because i had to I live my life a certain way because I have to, if I don't, yeah, I'm not being true to myself and I'm not being true to my, my family, those who love me, those who look up to me, those who yeah. learn from me. I all, I have to be who I am. Yeah. And it's never easy. And I, I fail lots, but like an integrity piece, a, a reminder, a call to integrity, I guess is what I'm hearing. Yeah. I don't know if I missed the mark there on the, on the, on step four, but. Well, I think that's perfect. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So I think for me, I would be called to also kind of uh, think about like how I, if I were to deliver a sermon or a speech or a, a message, a moral on this, I, I would want to unpack the subjective around have to, um, who is dictating that you had to? Is it you? Is it culture? Is it a system? Is it like what is dictating that? And you recognizing the boundary between you opting into a system and you having the option to to say no and 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 questioning that have to perhaps is where I might go with oh, that gets that gets deep. 
Yeah. And there's a lot there. And so like, I, I would have to write uh, several pages on it, but like, that's, that's what I'm drawn to in terms of, in terms of this, like, like, I think that'd be a really interesting for a therapist to have a conversation with Viren and be like, who told you that you had to? <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? And like, uh, I could see that turning into a wild conversation. Um, yeah. But here we are. Amazing. We we did it. We got through this this practice and with this line and what a rich conversation that was that was. I'm I'm yeah. Um, that you were willing to do that with me. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for leading us through that. And and speaking of gratitude, that is our final segment. Um, asking the question: Who in this episode are you grateful for, and why? Yeah, I had. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be honest. I had a tough one. I, I do have an immediate answer, but I don't know if. I don't know if it's a weak one. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I try, I tried to look further in for like for deeper meaning, but I, uh, as far as the characters go mm-hmm. in the story at this time, uh, I would choose Claudia because mm-hmm. she is the catalyst for Viren um, pushing himself into those moments. And, you know, going back to what, what I was re- referencing specifically, the idea of these, the danger that she's being put in, in his, in his dreams yeah. is him. It's what he's built, what he's become. So she is put in front of those or put in the middle of those and forcing him to go into those and face them. Uh, a different person. He's not going, yes, go further, my child. Yeah. Embrace the dark, embrace the darkness. No, he's saying, get out of there. You're better yeah. than that. This is evil. This is so I think that's where I land on that. I love it. I love it. I am feeling grateful for Janai and not for her initial rebuff, but for her willing her she sees the information has changed and she realizes that they are going to go regardless of her consent. And um, she, instead of preventing them, chooses to support them. And I think that that is a incredible act of, of love, of like of support of kindness. Yeah. There's just, there's so much in that that I'm grateful for because I am, very rigid uh when it comes to like my internal rules not so much like law rules but like the rules that i have created for myself and if i have set a rule then it's very unlikely that i'm willing to let someone else break um and i just love that she has demonstrated for me what it looks like to change your mind (laughs) yeah she had she had the ultimate power to put spears in front of them, put swords at their throat saying, you will go nowhere. Yeah. She could have done that like that, but you're right. She, she took that. And that my friend goes back to not to harp on this, but go back, goes back to what I was talking about. Parents <laughs> yep. communicating and learning and, you know, yeah. making those choices that they wouldn't necessarily make. Well, it's interesting too, because I bet that had she 
prevented Callum and, and like had she prevented them from going, she might have garnered more respect from the elves in the in the area. Right. It's, yeah. it's possible that her flexibility and adaptability here is what leads to the later revolt that Miana takes from the the encampment um mm. and i don't know like it, it, this could be poor decision making on her part and i'm still grateful for it <laughs> yeah i think it's the right decision I, I totally agree with you i think that's a great choice by the way oh well no big deal or anything thanks um i like yours well because <laughs> she's fostering she's she's fostering what will be where we we hope to see anyways uh that's a family there's a family there yes they will be family and she's fostering that whole idea of you she will be their aunt she will be someone they can trust Mm -hmm. someone who is strong and powerful but she will listen to them and she will make choices based on what they need yeah and that's what family does so i think that's an excellent choice oh i never thought of that oh i love it Okay. Well, that uh, unfortunately that brings us to the end of our conversation. I'm I'm reluctant to end it, but I, I would invite you to, if you want to be found, uh, how would you like to be found by any of the listeners who are enjoying your company? Oh, you know, um, uh, just uh, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm mostly on Instagram now, but uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at a boy Simpson. So the at symbol. Attaboy Simpson. Uh, and then Instagram is uh, Simstagrams. Brilliant. Yep. And they'll find me there being just boring. <laughs> That's not true. I see some truth. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. And of course, everyone, you can find us at BNB underscore pod on all the things. We are not necessarily active, but that does not mean we won't respond. If you, uh, tweet at us or tag us um we'd be happy to engage and uh i will definitely say we will engage you if you join our patreon at bnb underscore pod as well would love to get to the point where we are offering our producer a living wage for his time um and with that we are entirely grateful for you again jason thank you so much for joining us for another episode it's been my great honor thank you for uh allowing me to speak from the heart and get emotional. And uh, I don't get enough of those sort of uh, conversations. We get it together. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Until next time, be well and do good. Thank <laughs> you.